your positive, positive, positive imprint. Stories are everywhere. People and their positive action inspire positive achievements. Your PI could mean the world to you. Get ready for your positive imprint. Welcome to Your Positive Imprint. I am Catherine, your host. My guest today is senior editor of a publication based out of Washington, D.C. Matt Bracken is a young literacy tutor volunteering with the Reading Partners program. Through his tutoring, Matt is developing foundational reading skills for struggling readers. Matt's school is not an easy commute from where he is located in Washington, D.C., but it is not a problem because Matt does not see his volunteer work as a service. He says that it is an opportunity to be a part of a community that otherwise would never have crossed in his path. Matt is crossing a global path today as he shares his love for education, reading, and his desire to unlock his students' potential. I have today Matt Bracken, who is now residing in Washington, D.C., but he actually grew up in East Lansing, Michigan, and he also went to... Uh, let's see, Johns Hopkins for your master's? Yes, that is correct. And also Northwestern? Yes. What was your degree? <laughs> I spent a lot of time in classrooms over the years. Um. <laughs> <laughs> and that's part of your positive imprint because you're going to be talking about all of the time you're spending with students in the classroom. That's right. And that's so amazing. That's a wonderful positive imprint that you have. So thank you, thank you, and I'm, I'm very excited to share what you do. So anyway, go ahead. I, I did interrupt you. <laughs> no, not at all. Um, yeah, so I went to the University of Michigan. I studied English there, and following graduation in 2005, I enrolled at Northwestern University's Medill School of Journalism. And then uh, a few years later, I did a part-time MBA program at Johns Hopkins. So yeah. Again, a lot, a lot of tuition dollars, uh, hard at work. Yeah, I think education's always been really important to me. And yeah, I don't know if I'd made that connection before, but I think you make a good point. I've always had that interest. So maybe it led to my, uh, my path to tutoring. Yeah, well, that's awesome. And before we get to your tutoring and all of the awesome work you're doing with students here over in the United States, I wanted to talk about your journalism because you have been with the Baltimore Sun, you've had all these jobs with journalism, and one of the things that I found very interesting, and I'm just going to read this directly from the Baltimore Sun, and it was sure. interesting to me because it's some of the things I had never heard of. Matt Bracken is the Baltimore Sun's Director of Audience Engagement and Development, overseeing social media, live coverage, and digital projects. Wow, just all of those projects. What are all of these? And I know you really put in your positive imprint in these because I read some of those articles regarding like even the neighborhoods. Yeah, so that was a really interesting job. I, I started in journalism um, as a sports producer and writer and editor and uh, did that for the first six years of my career at the Baltimore Sun, but then transitioned to director of audience engagement just because i found myself increasingly interested in basically every other topic that the paper was covering, be it, you know, politics, business, uh, education, crime, uh, all of the, you know, kind of fascinating elements that make up a big metropolitan city. And so being the director of audience engagement enabled me to work with the reporters covering all those beats 
and finding the most creative and, I guess, effective ways to communicate their stories to the broader public via social media or digital projects or even some of these um, community engagement events. So it was really kind of like a jack-of-all-trades role, digitally focused, and, uh, and really kind of, you know, every day was different. It was really a fascinating, uh, you know, news city and, and certainly a phenomenal media organization to be a part of. Well, good for you. And so when you're you're bringing the communication, like some of these you were talking about, just a jack of all trades, when you're writing these articles, how how do you take a niche and put that into an article? Like, how do you take yourself when you're mm-hmm. when you're you are doing jack of all trades? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I think my general philosophy in journalism was first trying to understand like the audience that was out there and particularly audiences that were maybe like underserved. So in sports, for example, I thought that there was like a real kind of thirst out there for like really niche college sports and college recruiting reporting, particularly from newspapers. There were some paid websites back in the mid to late uh, 2000s covering that topic, but not too many newspapers. So I thought that was like a good niche to kind of, you know, work my way into the market. And then I, I, um, did this neighborhood series, which um, Baltimore is a city of neighborhoods, uh, and a lot of those neighborhoods have gone through massive change throughout the city's history, some good, some bad. And I just kind of wanted a way to kind of spotlight those neighborhoods and, and kind of take readers on like a historical tour through them. So that involved taking a tour uh, of the neighborhood with a photographer, getting fresh uh, photography, you know, seeing the, the, the best highlights, some of the lowlights, uh, and then reaching back into our archives and pulling, you know, previous, you know, photography, uh, videography, if we had it, uh, just kind of like every element uh, of the neighborhood that the Baltimore Sun had covered throughout its history, you know, just kind of make it like a historical project. So that was another thing where I thought there was maybe an audience for it. And uh, it turned out that there was. So yeah, I was just kind of curious about that topic. And the Sun allowed me to do it. So it was great. I really, really envy people who are doing this, what you're doing, because it is difficult to look at, well, you know, there's so many wonderful pieces of news, and you added the history to it. It's not just news, you have a historical piece to it, and that's going to open up more audiences, but it's also, for me, because it's your positive imprint. I think where I would maybe have pulled my positive imprint is to try to tell stories that that might have been overlooked in the community. I mean, you know, Baltimore's a big city. So many stories go untold every day. And yes, um, I agree. Right? Yeah. So I, I think my goal, like, it, again, it wasn't really my personality, like showing through, but I think it was more just like an interest in kind of like highlighting, you know, people who uh, deserve to be highlighted, but but weren't for whatever reason. And just kind of telling those like underdog stories that that kind of resonate with people, even if you aren't a sports fan in particular, you're more of like a human interest uh, observer. So that was kind of like the overarching goal with with my reporting there. Well, I love that you use the underdog. That's that's pretty good because there are uh, there are countless, countless stories out there that need to be uncovered. And there's just not enough people to uncover them. And I certainly appreciate that you've been doing it on digital media for you know, and I know you're not with them anymore, but you were doing this for Baltimore Sun and getting these people 
exposure, not just the people, the exposure, but what they were doing and highlighting some of these sports figures that nobody was highlighting, but yet they had a story to tell. That's great. Well, you've moved on from Baltimore Sun and you've obviously taken residence elsewhere, <laughs> but Indeed. you have kept your tutoring with you in your wherever you've been. Let's move on into the tutoring and what you were doing before you got to Washington, D.C. Yeah, absolutely. So um, when I got to The Sun, there were a group of reporters and editors who I think dating back to the 90s had you know, come together and volunteered at an elementary school in a neighborhood in Baltimore called Cherry Hill, which, uh, you know, it, kind of like a, a struggling big city neighborhood in a lot of ways. It has the large, at one point in time, had the largest concentration of public housing of any city uh, east of the Mississippi. So like a lot of, you know, tough issues at play there. And this group at the Sun was tutoring at a specific elementary school. And as soon as I joined the paper, you know, I'd joined that group and ended up, I guess, initially tutoring the second grade class and just really loved doing that, just going to the classroom once a week and just working on reading strategies with these students, just like fell in love with the group and ended up going up with that uh, that class to third grade uh, and then on to fourth, fifth and sixth grade. So, you know, essentially the core of same students for five years, which was really great and rewarding to see how they changed and grew. Uh, oh, that is awesome. Yeah. yeah, it was it was really rewarding because you could see like a lot of progress. And uh, and, you know, I mean, those are extremely formative years um, and, and kind of make or break years for literacy. So, yeah, it was a great experience. And that that kind of started me on the tutoring path. I think, as I recall, when I met you at the wedding, you for when you were tutoring, you had to take some classes. So they for that program, it was just it was kind of like um there, there wasn't a lot of structure around uh, the program that we did. It was just a handful of volunteers from the newspaper that got together and were kind of thrown in random classrooms, whichever ones had the biggest need. And, and the what, so the biggest need as far as the, the most students or the lowest students? It could have been a combination. And it, it kind of depended on how many volunteers that we had. We really just left it to the principal, you know, kind of decide where we were needed the most. So some might be maybe a particularly unruly class, uh, maybe because of, you know, sizes. I mean, certainly that's an issue. Public education everywhere, overcrowded classroom sizes, lack of investment in public education, just all sorts of issues at play in public education systems across the country. So Baltimore really, you know, felt the effects of that. Oh, but I'm sorry, go ahead. <laughs> no, I, I was going to start talking about what you did with the students as far as the literacy and how you went about it. Kind of yeah, Bracken's so... own program. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, I, guess, I mean, every year was different. Every student was different. So sometimes they, the teacher would just ask me to take a small group of students into the library and we would, um, they would pick books and we would read out loud to each other. Other times I would be helping with writing assignments. It was really like whatever the classroom teacher needed the most and, and I was best equipped to help with. So I got a lot of good experience with that and I think it, it set me up well for the program that I'm doing now and ended up doing for my last, I guess, four years in Baltimore. So this is my fifth year in the program total. And it's a nationwide nonprofit called Reading Partners. And it, it's located in a handful of uh, cities across the country. It was started in Oakland, California. Reading Partners is basically one-on-one -on -one 
reading tutoring. Uh, they have a curriculum set up for each student and you go through basically an agenda, a, a lesson plan with uh, your one student uh, for an hour once a week throughout the school year. And I think that's been really fun and fascinating and interesting just because instead of like being dropped into a classroom of 25, it's just, it's really intense one-on-one and you can really see like a demonstrable difference from, you know, fall to spring, just doing these one-on-one intensive sessions. And this was with second graders also? So I have had... Basically, Reading Partners does kindergarten through fourth grade. The organization believes that those are the most crucial years in terms of development. And, and once uh, you get on that track, if you're if you're at grade level or above grade level by fourth grade for um, for reading literacy, you have a better chance at, at staying that way. And, and, you know, all sorts of related positive academic outcomes um, build from from those formative years. So I've tutored uh, a kindergartner. I've tutored a. Uh, third grader, a first grader. This year I have a second grader. So it just kind of depends on who's available and what fits uh, our schedules. Well, that is that is very awesome. And so now I want to hear a little bit more about like when you're working with students, how you go about, you are tutoring the student and how do you see your approach? So every tutor has to go through training, just kind of being walked through the curriculum and, and yeah, how to, how to deal with you know, young kids, uh, you know, every week. So obviously most of us don't have education degrees. Most of us have other day jobs or our students. There are a lot of retirees that are in the program. So yeah, we, we do need that training session to kind of get us up to speed on best practices. Did you have to learn how to do, since you were tutoring a kindergartner, did you work with sounds and sound letter relationships? Yeah. So Definitely sound letter relationships. Yes. It, it really starts at the beginning. Like, um, you know, really just like you would, I guess the, the lesson plan would call for, uh, you know, maybe like two letters per lesson. And it, it would be just basics like sounding out words, what words start with the letter N, what words start with the letter M and, and really just, you know, the bare bones, like beginning stages of like learning how to read. But the, the kindergartner, the biggest issue, I think, with, with some of these kids is, is confidence and, and really just having someone to pay attention and really like listen to them and, and hear them and, and, and not rushing, you know, just taking the time and kind of guiding them through and being encouraging and, and ultimately just supportive. Well, you're definitely a very nice person, and I think that any child that has you as a tutor would be able to build their confidence because you are very encouraging. And I, I find that very fascinating and awesome because I'm, I'm in education and I'm, I'm a reading specialist, and so having reading partners across the nation is absolutely wonderful. And also, because of what I'm hearing from you is that it's given you an insight as to the reading structure of a scope and sequence mm. and the development of it. And a lot of people don't understand that. So they, a lot of people think that reading should be very easy, but it is mm -hmm. quite difficult and it is a very research-based uh, process. So with your tutoring, how can somebody, if they want to be a part of Reading Partners, you're over in, well, let's, so you went from, I want to back up here. You did reading partners in in uh, Baltimore yes and then when you moved to Washington DC you were able to pick up the program again right yeah yeah I was fortunate enough to uh, 
yeah, be in one city that had it and move to another city that also had it. So very fortunate in that regard. I think that is absolutely awesome that you picked it back up because oftentimes when we move, you mm -hmm. know, we're, we're stressed out or we're just trying to get to know our own surroundings and we're not, you know, too hype on doing volunteer work. And you're very young and, you know, there is a side of a social life that people prefer. And so I certainly congratulate you and um, commend you for the time that you're spending with these children in education and helping them to succeed so they can be like you and become a journalist. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate it. I, I, I've been very lucky to have supportive uh, employers. The son was uh, very much in favor of, uh, you know, making time for the journalists to do volunteer work. And, you know, we were able to, you know, host like a group of reading partners, workers to kind of share the message with with more people throughout the newsroom. And, and my current employer is really supportive of volunteer work, too. I think that's like the biggest thing is just, you know, working for a place that's really uh, encouraging of, of being out there in the community and, you know, saying that you can set aside work hours to do so. But I think tutoring provided me a good opportunity to kind of be in a community community that wouldn't kind of be in my like everyday path. It's not a place that, you know, has a lot of like bars or restaurants or <laughs> or, uh, or nightlife. Um, but again, it's it's like a really important community and has a lot of smart and passionate people trying to make it better. But tutoring gave me an opportunity to see that. And I think, uh, you know, uh, other people should be as lucky as I was to be able to, to see a place that, um, you know, does need a little bit more love, I think. So Baltimore is a really, unfortunately, segregated big city. And I think a lot of people... Uh, can very easily just stay in like their bubble. They can take a really big city and make it really super small. So I, I think one of the reasons I really enjoyed tutoring there was it, it gave me the chance to, to see other communities and, you know, interact with people on a daily basis that I otherwise maybe wouldn't. And I kind of, kind of tried to take that philosophy um, when I moved to DC. So, so Reading Partners puts out kind of like a list of schools at the beginning of the year and kind of ranks them based on the level of need they have. So there are some schools in maybe more like affluent neighborhoods, all public schools, but, you know, neighborhoods that are like very convenient to where, uh, you know, someone like myself might live. Uh, and then others that are in more kind of, I guess, like off the beaten path, uh, whether that's from public transportation or, you know, like bars, restaurants, that sort of thing. So being new to this city, I, I just picked a school that had one of the highest levels of need. And it's in southeast D.C. near Anacostia, which is kind of a famous neighborhood uh, in the city. But again, one that uh, that kind of gets like short shift a little bit. And again, it's been really, I think, fascinating for me to, to go there every week and, and see this historical neighborhood and see the changes that have gone on and all the people who are dedicated to making it a better place. And you are one of those. And your your job certainly might say, yes, we like to have you do volunteer work, you choose your place, but you've chosen this and you chose your own district and your own school where you could have chosen one that was, you know, transportation much easier to get to. And you chose one that takes time and effort. And those are, are your positive imprints are what makes not just the world go round, but obviously what helps the person that's right there in your community, that little child that is learning to read. And they will never forget you. <laughs> that child will never forget you. And one thing that I've learned in education is 
or just not just in education, in anything where people are leaving their positive imprints, you will never, ever know the value of your work. Mm. But that's not what you're doing it for. You know, you're not doing it for recognition. By the way, I will put up a link for reading partners so that other people who might want to tutor students in reading levels of literacy K-5 can certainly go and make a difference with reading partners. And so what is life like in Washington, D.C.? It's, I mean, it's exciting. It's very exciting. Uh, I'm lucky enough, as you know, to have uh, my brother and his uh, lovely wife in town, too. Uh, so they've been uh, showing me a lot about what the uh, the city has to offer. So it's, you know, it's just a city where it's impossible to get bored. You know, I've been trying to go to, to more museums and do more cultural things lately, take advantage of, of that as much as possible and really just explore. I mean, I was in Baltimore for 11 years, so it's fun, you know, seeing a new city, albeit one that's not that far away from Baltimore. Right. And the Smithsonian is just phenomenal. And you'll, you just can't get through all of the information in the historical pieces. And it's an amazing, amazing foundation. It really is. It really is. And there are just so many, um, I, I keep talking about this phenomenon to, to my friends uh, who live in other cities where you're just driving through the streets of DC. Suddenly you'll like take a turn and then a perfect view of the Washington monument is like right in your, your viewpoint or uh, some other like, you know, historical landmark. Um, so it is kind of like cheesy, but it's like a little bit awe inspiring to be around here sometimes. Yeah. So let me ask, do you ever, when you're with your, the students that you tutor, do you ever have an opportunity to talk about their experiences that they have around, because I don't, I'm guessing that they probably haven't been able to visit much of the Smithsonian or go, unless they go on a field trip. So do, yeah. are, do you have that opportunity to communicate with them and kind of listen to their own experiences? Yeah, I, I, I do like to, um, you know, time permitting during a session, just kind of um, talk about things that are not related to literacy and just let the student kind of, you know, share what's on his or her mind. Uh, so that could be... Well, that's oral know, skills. Yeah, I, I, yeah, that's a good point. So yeah, I, I, I think it's, you know, it, every kid is different. Certainly some are more um, interested in sharing those thoughts than others. Some are more reserved. But, but yeah, I do think it's important to kind of create that opportunity if they if they do want to, to talk about anything else. And do they know that they have or that they live in an area that has these historical monuments? That's a good question. I guess it's probably maybe too soon for me to say for sure about the DC kids, um, just because it is, you know, year well, not even uh, the end of year one yet. So and Baltimore was very different. So I think in, in general, a lot of the kids that I've worked with, it's there's just like a lot of like knowledge about like your own neighborhood, but but extending far beyond that, maybe less so. But I guess it remains to be seen, uh, you know, if it's different for kids in D.C. I just don't have that much of a sense of it yet. Well, I certainly appreciate the work that you do, and I appreciate the articles that you have provided in the Baltimore Sun and, and bringing the underdog, as you said, into the... <laughs> Uh, forefront so that people can hear their story. I just, I really appreciate you. You've been inspiring. <laughs> so is there any, any inspirational phrase or anything that you want to share with, with listeners at all? Mm. 
Man, I will say, I don't know if there's like one sort of like standout statement that I've heard, but I think just in general, I would like encourage everyone to, you know, look for volunteering opportunities around your community. And it certainly doesn't have to be reading partners or, or tutoring or, or anything, you know, anything like that. You know, like everyone has different skills and interests. And I think, you know, I, I love that like your show is highlighting all sorts of different positive elements uh that that kind of cover a really broad spectrum of things that you can do to make a difference in this world so i feel the same way about volunteer working and just kind of you know being really like a part of your community and kind of like leaving it better than you found it and we are going to leave with those wonderful inspirational words matt bracken thank you so much for being on your positive imprint absolutely thank you Catherine. i appreciate it well, schools are always looking for volunteers, and maybe that is your calling. But if not, well, there are many other volunteer opportunities within every community. Thank you to Chris Knoll for providing the music for this podcast, chrisknoll.com. You can check out my blog at yourpositiveimprint.com. You can also follow me on Instagram and Facebook, Your Positive Imprint, as well as Twitter, What's Your PI? You can subscribe to this podcast by hitting that subscribe button, Your Positive Imprint. What's your P.I.?